You have now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win. Yeah, LABB, who we running with? Yeah, 2233, I'm on 10 again. Yeah, state your name. Hello and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. I'm Josh Strange and that's my father, Troy. And today we're going to be talking about the life, legacy, and mission of John Lewis, as well as finding purpose in your own life. So for today, I just wanted to start with, start with a few facts about John Lewis, um, give you kind of a brief overview of his life and some of the things he was able to accomplish in his great life. John Robert Lewis was born on February 21st, 1940, just outside Troy, Alabama the third of 10 children. When Lewis was 11, an uncle took him on a trip to Buffalo, New York, making him more acutely aware of Troy's segregation. As a student, he was dedicated to the civil rights movement. He organized sit-ins at segregated lunch counters in Nashville and took part in many other civil rights activities as a part of the Nashville student movement. In 1961, Lewis became one of the 13 original Freedom Riders. As a result, in the South, Lewis and the other nonviolent freedom riders were beaten by angry mobs and arrested multiple times. Uh, Lewis was elected the congressman of the 5th District in Georgia, and he was reelected 17 times, serving over 30 years in that position. Uh, so he accomplished a lot of things in his life and was able to, you know, obviously sustain a legacy in politics as well as, you know, be an integral part of the civil rights movement. Um, I guess you could say that that was kind of his you know mission in life and things like that um but obviously there was a lot of sacrifice we talked about our one of the facts said that he was beaten multiple times he was arrested multiple times i've always wondered you know where do people get this resolve um for this you know for these things that they have that are a part of their life where does that come from why do you think john lewis was so committed to the civil rights movement um that he was able to sacrifice so much yeah i would imagine that that commitment and resolve comes from his um experience growing up in the deep south um, where segregation was um, really really um, you know prevalent and the experiences I think built the resilience and the commitment that he had uh, to become the civil rights uh, freedom fighter that he was so I think part of that is the, the growth and the experiences and I think part of it was just his destiny you know I believe that we all come here with a specific purpose and some of us find that early on in life and some of us it takes us a little while longer to determine what our purpose is. And so for him, I think he realized it right off and uh, he was committed to it throughout his life. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting point. Um, so you believe it was his mission in life and that that was what he was kind of, I guess, brought here for? Yeah, I believe that. I mean, I because I think about it and I'm like, I don't know if I could go through that continuously being beaten and jailed without it being something that I'm really compelled to do. Yeah. You know, once I'd be like, oh, you know what? Let me find another way <laughs> to fight for freedom and civil rights. Yeah. But to go through that, you know, continuously throughout his life, you know, from a teenager well into his eighties to be able to be committed to something um, so passionately. So I believe that he had to be, you know, his purpose um, yeah. for even being here. Yeah, and I, I wonder, because I think about the timing of his death and, it's almost hard to believe that it's, it's coincidental that right as, I guess, the movement that he's fought for his whole life seems to be coming to a, you know, a, a really a climax, so to speak. And 
things are really, people are really pushing for change and fighting hard. And it seems like it's kind of reignited that flame that he was really fighting for his whole life. It seems kind of coincidental that that's when he passed, you know what I mean? Almost as if things had come full circle for him in his lifetime and he had served his purpose, if you will. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, and I would probably liken it to maybe the third reconstruction. Um, the first being um, after the Emancipation Proclamation between 1865 and um, I want to say 1870s, 1880s. Yeah. And then I would call the second one, um, and anybody out there, correct me if I'm wrong, would be the Civil Rights Movement, 1965, when all that kind of came through. So between the early 1940s and 50s to the 1960s, early 70s. And I see this wave right now as, uh, you know, a new or a reconstruction era in which we changing or looking to change some of the policies, some of the laws and legislation that are uh, discriminatory and uh, provide a anti-equality uh, or equi equity, anti-equity uh, sentiment in which racism uh, is uh, very prevalent and, um, you know, a staunch issue in our community and in our, our nation. So I see this as kind of the third reconstruction era and hopefully that this time we get it right and it's more permanent. <laughs> I sure hope so too. Um, so obviously we, you believe that that was John Lewis's mission in life and his purpose and he was brought here for that. Is that something you believe is for everybody or just kind of a chosen few? I think we all have a reason for coming. I mean, I just believe that. I believe that um, there's no, I don't believe there's a coincidence in me being here of uh, at this point in time, at this point in time in history and where I'm at and the experiences that I go through, I believe that I either chose or was chosen to do some of the things that I feel are is my purpose and mission. And so for me, it's taken me, uh, you know, several years, you know, growing up, I thought my mission in life was to be an athlete, you know, professional football player. And um, I found out abruptly that that <laughs> wasn't it <laughs> so uh you know i was able to play college, college ball i had some injuries and so that kind of you know stifled my career and uh, uh desires not desires but just uh being able to move forward at the professional level at least giving the shot uh. and so from that point on transitioning from sports and being an athlete into uh life you know finding that career path and in that time, I've done multiple things. I was a teacher. I taught for seven years. I've uh, worked in city government for over 15 years. I worked in the private side development, um, worked in parks and recs. And so I've done a multiple things. And what I've discovered that those experiences are helped shape and helped me to understand what I believe my mission and purpose is. My purpose and mission, I believe, is really uh, community revitalization, community building through uh, community and economic development. And I realized that I like to do multiple things. Um, I could build homes, I could run programs, but I like to see all those things come together. I like taking the pieces of the puzzle and putting it together in a way in which to come to some type of completion. And so for me, I believe that that's the purpose and I'm working toward that mission to revitalize communities, particularly where Blacks and African-Americans live. Um, in this country and the world, the world abroad. Yeah. I guess how about you? What do you see? Uh, let me ask you a question. And, uh, you know, we and I have talked about this 
quite often and I've always uh, mentioned to you to, you know, find out what it is you love and you're passionate about and pursue it. What do you see or do you see yourself having a purpose and a mission? And if so, what is that? I, I go back and forth on it because it's tough. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's tough for me to believe that there is one, not one thing, but an overall mission that I was sent here to do by you know, some sort of higher power. Um, and so I have a hard time believing that, but there is, you know, obviously I think I have something that I believe is something that I want to do with my life. You know what I mean? That I feel like is something that I have a passion for. And that's something that I can spend the rest of my life doing and, and kind of, you know, working towards. And that's, you know, I think the business of sports, I think I have a few different avenues. I love track and field. I'm a track and field athlete at Kansas State University, formerly of Purdue University. And I love track and field. I think our sport is underappreciated. And I think I could, you know, see myself really working and working hard to get my sport the respect it deserves, get it on major networks, get, you know, the athletes behind me, you know, the, the recognition they deserve. Um, I love the game of basketball, NBA, um, college ball and stuff like that. I can see myself managing sports and I love the business of sports. That's something I can see myself doing for the rest of my life. Now, do I believe a higher power ordained me to do that? That's sometimes tough for me to believe. Um, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure on that, but I, once again, I think I have things that are not things, but I have something or, or a, a goal that I believe is something that I at least have a passion for, want to spend the rest of my life doing. So what do you think shaped your mindset or gave you the desire to want to do those things? I think I naturally have somewhat of a business mind. I mean, we can tell a few stories about, you know, young and young in days or my younger days of me doing, you know, just kind of naturally gravitating towards some business ideas and trying to, you know, see them through. And then sports, obviously you were an athlete. And so I grew up in a household full of, you know, full of sports. Uh, my older sister was an athlete in high school and things like that. I was an athlete in high school, I'm a collegiate athlete. So, you know, those are two passions that I think nat come naturally to me. And when you combine them, you get the business of sports. And so that's where I think that was just kind of a natural avenue for me to go down. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you were, first born, I remember telling your mom that I didn't want any balls in the house. At that time, I was really kind of jaded when it came to sports, <laughs> you know, because I saw the business side of it and I didn't end up on the right side of the business <laughs> side of it. So I was a little, uh, uh, I guess I had my conflicts with it. And um, what I realized with sports, um, what it can do in terms of helping develop discipline, um, leadership skills, being able to persevere, and various qualities that you can help develop and grow young people through sports. And um, that was one of the things that really brought me back is to being able to see that and being able to say, this is a way that we can also uh, help and, and revitalize our community through sports and creating these type of characteristics and attributes in young people so when they go out into the world, they know how to function and they know how to persevere. They know how to work as a team to get things done collectively. So um, I see a lot of good side and upsides to sports, um, but there was a time in my life where I was a little uh, disappointed and frustrated because the business side wasn't always kind to the athletes um, that were involved and part of it. Yeah, I guess I want to segue that into, so how do you know when you're living out your life's purpose, because I think about this all the time. There are people who think or are convinced in their mind that they're 
purpose in life is to do some terrible thing, you know what I mean? To kill or destroy. I would imagine that, you know, at least in your faith, that's not, that wouldn't be a purpose that, you know, your, I guess, higher power would want for someone. So how do you know if you're living your life's purpose or we're all just kind of picking our for own, me, I guess? For me, I, I believe it when, when you feel fulfilled. So when you get up every day and you look forward to doing whatever it is you do, you're excited about it. You go through, you stay up all night. Um, you go through and you make whatever sacrifices, whether it be your time, your money, whether it be like John Lewis, you know, being brutalized uh, and you continue to do it. And in other ways, it's like, even when you try not to do it, you still find yourself drawn back to whatever that thing is. Like for me, um, and you've always mentioned it to me that, you know, I could go out and make a lot of money doing some things. However, you know, my commitment has always been the community. That's just something I have an interest in. And even when I go out and looking to make money, it's like, well, how do I use this money? How do I take this money so that yeah. I can improve our community? So for me, I just think it's just something that is hard for you to get away from. And when you try to pull away from it, you get pulled and sucked back into it. Uh, so for me, I think it's something that you're passionate about, something that you're naturally pretty good at and that, you know, you're willing to commit yourself to. Okay, that's an interesting point because now that makes me think of something, someone, and it brought it up so clearly to my mind, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was obviously one of the best heavyweights ever, so to speak, you know, and for so long, he seemed like he was struggling without boxing and now he's getting back into it. You know, he's got a match coming up. I don't know when, but he's getting back into boxing. So he was kind of naturally drawn back to it. Do you think, I mean, a lot of people can say Mike was made to box. You know what I mean? Do you think that's his life purpose? And because... I think when Mike talks about it a lot, he talks about, you know, his accent. I love, I just love to go out there and destroy. I just love to kill. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's very brutal. You know, boxing is, you know, a great sport. I like, I like watching boxing, but is that somebody's purpose to go in there and beat other people up? Like, well, I mean, that, that could be used for other things like Muhammad Ali, right? He was a boxer, but from boxing, it gave him the recognition. It gave him the platform to be able to share some of the things and fight in the way that he did for, uh, the rights of others to stand his ground and become known as one of the greatest, you know, athletes ever. But that wasn't so much just what he did in the ring, but what he did outside of the ring and having that platform gave him the opportunity to speak and for people to at least pay attention and listen to him. So boxing may have been the avenue that gave him the platform and the opportunity to really do some other things that would be part of his life purpose. Okay, and that's Muhammad Ali. I think mm -hmm. Mike Tyson has been a lot different in the way he's used his platform. Not that he's some bad guy well, or anything like that, but. But I think it's also, you know, sometimes you learn from the good and you also learn from the bad that people may experience. And I think some of the negative things that Mike have experienced has allowed other people to see, hey, these are some things we may want to look at. And it's also looking at athletes who may have been taken advantage of. And so I think there's a few more support systems and many athletes coming up under Mike um, who now may have a little more support and money management, taking other business opportunities and those type of things. So sometimes your, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Your negative experiences also can serve as positive uh, for others to be able to learn what to do, what not to do. And when you look at Mike now, he has various business opportunities that he's involved in. He does um, speaking. So I think um, his experience has allowed him to share with people who may have grown up in the same way that he did 
um, in, in very um, hard circumstances, which shaped his view and his perspective on life at that age. And now he's able to share that with kids who may be experiencing that and say, hey, I understand what that is. I've been through that. And this is how I deal with it and how I think you should deal with it. So it provides that example um, that others can see. But see, that leads me to think, okay, so some people's life purpose is to go through negative experiences to be able to share that. How just is that? Or some people's life purpose is to be president. And it seems like they live, I guess, a more, in our sense of the word, good life. Mm-hmm. Then other people's is just to go through stuff so they can tell people about it and, you know, inspire. But Mike has had a good life. He's yeah. had some negative, but Mike has had, hey, he's had millions of dollars that he's been exposed to, had access to, and he's still, right now in his life, based on what I see, is probably living better than 99% of people <laughs> on the planet, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> So true. he's had some experience, and we all have negative experiences. His was just more exposed and more out there because he was a public figure. But we all have things that we go through, even for those who we consider wealthy and well-to-do, they have challenges that they have to experience. So I don't believe any of us go through life without having those negative experiences, those challenges that help us to grow. Okay, I wanna go back to something that I feel like you kind of brushed over a little bit. I talked, I mean, well, I didn't, I don't know if I explicitly said it, but do you think that people can get their purpose wrong? Because there are people out there who wake up every day, and like you said, they get fulfillment out of doing terrible things in this world. You know, at least in their heads they do. Well, how do you know that? I mean, I guess I know, don't. Right. So, just but how do you know? Do it, but how do I, you I'm know not people... saying they, I can't say they do or don't. But I would imagine, and just me as a human being, and most people that I talk to, when I do something that I know is not good, and you may be able to condition yourself to not think about it, um, like when people go to war and they they kill and they're in these battles, you know, a lot of come, a lot of times they come home and they're traumatized. Even though they were doing what they felt was right for the country, they have to go through, I mean, they call post-traumatic stress syndrome. And these are the things that they deal with that they may never get over. Because to me, it's just an unnatural process to go through, kill, and do the things. In some instances, you may end up doing it to defend yourself or for a certain cause. But I don't believe it to be a natural process for human beings, even though sometimes we do that. And so whether or not it's your purpose to go out and kill somebody, I can't say that I truly believe that. But if you're in a position to where you're defending yourself, I can understand that position of having to defend yourself. And if you're in the process, you end up killing somebody, that's unfortunate, but that's just part of the deal. And so um, to say that somebody's purpose is to go out and do evil things, I mean, I don't know if I believe that. Some people may make that decision to go do those things but i don't know i don't necessarily believe that that is you know their purpose in life so essentially you believe that sometimes people can kind of get confused in their head and they may believe certain things but deep deep down there is some type of i guess i don't know moral compass or something inside of you that really does kind of direct you the right way some people just may ignore it i believe that i mean personally i mean I don't have all the answers, but in that respect, I believe that, you know, we all have a moral compass. And um, when we are woke to that or made aware of it, I think um, we begin to make different decisions. There's been many people who have done things and they believe that that was the way they were going or needed to go because of what they were taught. 
And then when they was uh, made aware of other options and ways of doing things and other experiences, you know, they changed their, they changed their ways, you know? Um, so I think at the end of the day, we all have a moral compass, um, whether or not we are uh, aware of it and, uh, you know, use it to make the decisions or not, I think is there. Yeah. I mean, you kind of brought up the nature versus nurture debate mm -hmm. and things like that, but that's way, you know, more deep topic to get into. But I wanted to ask you, so you talked about, I mean, speaking of nurture, what are some of the experiences in your life that have made you say, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, or this is my purpose, so to speak? Well, some of the experiences just growing up and why I always talk about community is the community that I grew up in, you know, I grew up around family. Everyone was family, everyone was friends. And so everything we did, we were surrounded by people that cared about us, that people that we knew. And so it was just a wonderful experience for me. And then growing up and moving out, going to college and living in other places, I realized that all communities weren't the same, yeah. you know, because you didn't have that close knit uh, community that I grew up in. And so I always wanted to uh, replicate that in other places. And I didn't really fully know it um, until probably the last 10 years of my life as I, you know, had different career experiences with community development, redevelopment, urban planning, um, education, all those things really culminated to let me see that this is part of a community and these are the components that are necessary to build a strong, uh, productive and uh, stable community. And so those are the things that really kind of pushed me in this direction, um, just seeing it and, you know, my growing up and having those wonderful times and experience with family and friends, you know, made me interested in creating that experience for others who may not have been fortunate to have that, that I had. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I just am not, or haven't lived enough to say I've had experiences like that or maybe i just haven't reflected enough on them to say that that's why i feel like what pushed me towards that i just like i said i just feel like i was around sports growing up and i had a kind of a natural you know i guess knack for business and so i combined the two and that's what i think i you know or that's what i feel i want to do with the rest of my life i don't know if i have specific incidents that make me say okay that's what's that was something i can call upon and say that's why i'm doing what i'm or what i'm pushing to do what i'm trying to do yeah, and I think just having access to the people that you've been exposed to, um, professional athletes. I mean, having a cousin who uh, was a major league general manager for the Angels yeah. um, and currently um, uh, uh, administrator or executive in Major League Baseball, being able to go to the games, meet those players, see how he does things. I think that was uh, helpful and helped and shape your thoughts and ideas about not only being an athlete, but the business of sports, because you've seen, because growing up, if I'd have known the business side, that might've been an option I at least explored, but I didn't know it existed. You know, it just never yeah. occurred to me that I could do those things. I could be a sports agent, manager, a team exec or what have you, athletic director, it just never, you know, dawned on me. So I didn't explore those avenues or options. Yeah. Uh, so. I think now I'm finally in a space where I can see that the things that I'm doing now are bringing fulfillment. So with that, as you said, you know, the things you're doing now, and I know you're working on a lot of things, 
this is kind of a loaded question for you, I feel like, but where do you see yourself in terms of your life's purpose and what you're working on, what you're doing, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years, I see myself kind of with a blueprint, taking what is existing and nothing that I do is new uh, as far as community development, community revitalization, but taking all those tools, taking all those experiences, looking at various communities uh, throughout time and seeing how they develop, what uh, the things that cause them to deteriorate and um, all those things and pulling them together and being able to create uh, a wonderful community for my people. Um, specifically in the African-American community. And the reason I state that is because for so, so long and so often, um, many of us look to escape, you know, the communities. And, yeah. and, and I understand the reason why in many cases, our communities are not as desirable as communities in other uh, areas. Yeah. And largely due to policies and legislation over the years with redlining, uh, discrimination, um, the, the various things that allowed us or forced us to function in a small space and kept us from expanding and growing outside of our community. And as we begin to grow and expand outside of our communities, what has happened is that those who with the resources, the money, uh, and to no fault, and I don't blame them, but they left. And what was left behind in most cases were people who didn't have the resources, who didn't have the, the skills or experience to make sure that the community was stable and um, free of some of the negative actions that we see today, um, among other things. And I think just policies from our state and local and federal government has really been uh, a major factor in some of the issues that we have in our community. Yeah, I said that's a loaded question for you, but I, as I was sitting here listening to your response, I'm realizing that's probably an even more loaded question for me. Where do I see myself in five years? I mean, obviously, I just graduated from Purdue University. Um, I'm doing uh, another year here at Kansas State, um, getting a certificate of business of sports and entertainment. But man, you know what I mean? I just feel like, obviously, like I said, I have goals. I have, I guess, a mission or, or kind of things that I'm working towards. But obviously, it's just so up in the air. Where am I going to live? You know what I mean? What job am I going to be working? Where, how am I going to be working towards the goals that I'm setting? And obviously, these are things I'm trying to figure out currently. But it's just so, it's just so uncertain at this time. And that can, be, keep, that can kind of be a source of anxiety. But I don't know. It's also excitement, too, because I know I feel like I have the skills necessary. I have the talent necessary. So I'll be able to accomplish those goals. But nonetheless, it's definitely something you look at and you're like, oh, my gosh, where where am I going to end up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things. And, and for me, that's where faith comes in, being able to, because anything I've done in life that I was successful at, it was something I just made up my mind and I felt so strongly about it. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I was able to succeed at it. Um, give an example is when I decided to go back to school, uh, I was teaching at the time, uh, married, two kids, you and Atiyah. And, um, you know, we were just kind of going through living life. Um, and we were living in LA at the time. And so all was well, but as a teacher, I always felt like I was failing. I taught in areas that um, the educational system was not good. The neighborhoods were uh, disadvantaged. You had gang issues. So you had a lot of issues that were going on. And even in high school, when I taught, 
there were students who come to class who couldn't read. And it all, I, I couldn't understand that. I mean, you get to ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, and you can't really, you know, basically you're illiterate. And I felt like, I don't know how to get through to these students because on one hand, I'm being told that you have to teach at a certain pace. You got to give them certain information. And on the other hand, it's like they can't receive the information because they don't know how to read. Yeah. There's skills that they have not developed or learned in order to do these things. And so it really made me conflicted. And I began to look around and see all the circumstances that um, led to them not being able to read. It wasn't that they were incapable. It was the socioeconomic situations around them. You know, the drugs, you know, the unemployment, the, um, like I said, the policies that led to some of the things that our community faces uh, when it comes to economics. And so all those things really piqued my interest. I also taught in more fluent areas out in San Fernando Valley, where you go there and, you know, you have kids driving up in, you know, you know, um, foreign cars. <laughs> and I'm looking at this and I'm trying to understand, well, how does this work? How does one community uh, is well off and established and another community is just surviving and every day is a struggle for the people in that community. And what I did is I began to talk to different people and try to say, you know, I want to understand this and, and want to be able to make a difference. How do I do that? And I talked to a few friends and they mentioned to me that you got to look into urban planning. Yeah. And so I started doing some research, reached out and uh, to UCLA and to their program. And to make a long story short, I applied and I was uh, accepted. And at the time I was accepted, you know, like I said, I'm working. I got two kids, a mortgage, a wife, and you know, it's like, okay, now how are you gonna pay for this? You know, you got one <laughs> step done, how are you gonna do the next? And I remember vividly saying, I don't know, but I always felt like it was gonna be done. I didn't have any doubt or hesitation, um, even though it didn't look good. So what I did is I talked to the students on campus and I was able to apply for a fellowship. And I ended up being awarded a fellowship that not only paid for my school and tuition, but it gave me a stipend every month to live off on. And so to going back to what my original uh, statement was about is that anytime I made it on my mind to do something, it all worked out. Everything that I needed came to me. It may not have been the way I thought or expected, but it all worked out. And so I have other stories like that, but you know, for me, that's how I'm under, that's how I determine, you know, my, where I'm going. And when I get that feeling, it's a strong feeling that I just, I gotta go do it. You know, I gotta at least uh, go explore this because otherwise I'm not gonna be able to sit, uh -huh. sit still and rest. So I hope yeah. you're gonna over, overdraw now answer. <laughs> nah, I think it was a good story to hear. And obviously like, it makes me wonder, because as you said, you kind of switch gears at a certain point from what you thought. I mean, you said when you were a kid growing up, most of, the, most of your life, your young life, you thought, you know, being a professional athlete was your purpose in life and where you were supposed to go. And so I wonder, obviously, I've had this kind of goal and mission and what I think I'm, you know, what I really think I'm passionate about. But will that at some point just switch gears on me? But I think it's just, as you said, it's important to just listen to yourself, listen to, you know, deep down what you feel. Don't ignore that because it is, it's something real and it'll all work itself out because it's what you're supposed to do. So it's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah, so um, I think overall, when you look at your upbringing and 
you know, your family structure and your life, um, I always ask, I think, you know, what is it that you feel you could have got more of that I could have shared more, your mom, with experiences that could have made, you know, things for you even better? Do you have any of those that stand out in your mind that, you know, I wish I would have had this or this experience or these type of things occur in my household or family? No, I think everything was, I think I got everything I needed. I got a really, I, I, I always tell people, I got a really diverse, um, you know, I, I, I had a really diverse background or really diverse, I guess, setting growing up because things kind of switch gears. Our family, first of all, mom's family is different than your family. Um, you know, the places I grew up were always kind of middle class, but they were surrounded by some areas that were, you know, more, I guess, you know, higher class and somewhere that lower so socioeconomic status, you know, areas. And so I got so much of everything, every race, religion, everything like that. So I feel like I'm so prepared in terms of a diversity, you know, standpoint for everything, really not everything, but you know what I mean? I feel like I, I and, and it, it, what it, the most important thing it gave me was the ability to adapt, to adapt to situations, because like I said, I was kind of you know, it means depending on what block you were on and what school you were at, there were so many different, you know, backgrounds and things that you may have seen that you had to be able to adapt to the people you were around. I didn't grow up in an area that was just kind of one culture. And I guess that that may be one thing that you can say is something that I lacked. I think it would have been cool to be around more people that look like me growing up. But at the same time, I think the opposite gave me, you know, things that were beneficial to me as well. So. All right. I hear so, you. Yeah, go ahead. I think, go ahead. I think I have a prediction for this upcoming year, just me, <laughs> in terms of uh, your uh, development, your growth, your ambitions. Uh, I'm going to boldly put it out there just, just because I can. <laughs> <laughs> First thing I predict is that definitely we're going to have a successful, successful academic year in terms of the um, major and that you're studying. Um, uh, what is it, sports management? Sports and entertainment, business of sports and entertainment. Okay, so I think that's going to really take you to a whole nother level of understanding and excitement for what it is you see yourself doing. But I also predict from the uh, athletic side is to, you know, be a national champion, triple jump, national champion uh, for the outdoor season 2021 also see uh, you in the Olympic trials and not only in Olympic trials but I see you making the Olympic team. <laughs> so I mean maybe that's wishful thinking but that's what I'm seeing and maybe uh, Miss Cleo uh, I've been talking to her a little bit so she, uh, she she's inspired me to say that and make that prediction. Well, it's out there in the universe now, so I, I better get out of here and do some push-ups and sit-ups, something to get away, get to yeah. work. Um, Absolutely. But no, I think that was another great discussion. Um, appreciate the audience for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the discussion. We talked about John Lewis and his legacy and, you know, really led into the conversation of finding your life's purpose and, you know, whether or not it's a real thing, whether or not you can be wrong about it, how it can switch gears. So we got into a lot of things, but... Overall, great discussion, and uh, hope you tune in next time. All right, that'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now you know. Peace. Peace.